Well, this is, this is the third week we've talked about worship, and I intentionally did it in the order we did it, because normally when we say we're going to talk about worship, you automatically think we're going to talk about what happens in the worship service, and, and some even think that only means the singing part of the worship service. So we started off defining worship, and we looked at worship outside the church. We looked at worship in our daily life, really made the strong point that, that we are to worship God everywhere we go, and in everything we do, we can worship God. So we talked about all that. And so today we're going to end by bringing it back into the church. So the title today is, I believe I should always respond to God with worship. Help me worship you, God, better at church. Help me worship you, God, better at church. So today's topic is really going to be focused in, we're going to be centered on uh, what we do in church. So let's just do a little review. Let's, let's redefine worship. To worship is to declare or ascribe to, that's one of the words the Bible uses, to describe, to declare to God the glory, His glory, through speaking, listening, and my actions. And we've looked at those scriptures, so we're not going to do that again today. And like I said, today we're going to talk about in-church worship, and we'll start with number one. Uh, before we get there, I want to tell you that I am going to, I'm going to show you more scriptures today on the screen than we've probably used in many uh, two or three Sunday collection. They're all over the place. They're back and forth. I'm just going to keep putting them on the screen. My goal today is, is really to blast you with scripture, just to overwhelm you with the amount of scripture that speaks about worship, so that you leave here thinking to yourself, wow, the Bible talks a lot about worship. And, and even today, talks about a lot about how I worship in church. And then I want you to come back week after week, and I want you to be processing, what did I learn about worshiping in church? How, how am I doing? What do I need to do more? What do I need to do less? How, what do I need to change? How can I uh, worship God more? How can I declare the glory of God more by what I do in church? And so this is something we can apply week after week. And, and hopefully there will be some things here that might challenge our thinking a little bit. Maybe it'll all be refresher course, and it'll just remind you of things that are happening. So number one in your notes, our primary means of worship is through singing. Should not be a huge surprise. When I say we're going to have a worship service, you would correctly assume we're going to sing. Uh, it just kind of goes hand in hand together. If I said, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to study the Bible, we call it a Bible study. If we're going to get together and eat a meal, we call it fellowship. If, if, if we're going to have a worship service, singing is always involved. And, and if I said, hey, we're going to get together and our whole service is going to be singing, that would be a worship service. So there is a huge part of worship that centers around our singing, how we approach God, how we respond to God in that way. And, and just to get rolling with a few scriptures, Psalm 47, 7 says, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a song of praise. Sing to him. Pretty clear. No explanation needed. Sing to him a song of praise. Psalm 68.4 says, Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. So not only sing to God, but what we're supposed to sing, sing praise to his name. And Hebrews 2.12, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Now, there's more scriptures listed in your notes, and I could literally probably give you 50 or 60 scriptures that say, sing, sing to the Lord, sing of his praises, sing to God. All these different ways that all say the same thing, sing to God. 
And I just want to right off the bat uh, just, just let you know that when, when I say worship and you think singing, you're thinking correctly. So the last two weeks was to expand your thinking beyond the singing. But today I want to say you're correct. And, and as you worship God with your actions and your attitude outside of the church, a lot of time that will turn into singing in your own heart, in your car, to yourself on the job. It will even turn into singing. So singing even reaches out into other areas of worship outside the church service. So our primary means of worship is through singing, and we use music to enhance our singing. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. There there are at least one denomination, if not two, that do not allow musical instruments in their service. They only sing a cappella, and they have some reasons. Their reasons aren't bad reasons. A lot of it has to do with not, not giving an opportunity for pride and things like this. But I would say they're overlooking a, a real part of worship found in Scripture. So in, in order to protect themselves from one thing, they're, they're eliminating something else that's good. And, and what, is, what does the Bible say? Well, 2 Samuel 6, 5 says, David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, so they're worshiping him with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Now, there's a couple instruments that I don't even know what are. The point is that it wasn't limited to one instrument. It rarely was no instrument. And, and when, when they worshipped, when King David worshipped, and when they worshipped, they used lots of instruments. Psalms 33.2 says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. I don't know what a ten-string lyre is. To, I'm just picturing an acoustic guitar with ten strings on it. I don't know what that looks like, but again, it's just, it's just more musical instruments. The musician worships by playing their instrument. The singer worships by singing, and together we worship with one another, with singing, using the music. So a, a big part of our service is singing. When, when we went to our single service and we added 15 minutes in to, so we could have some flexibility in the service and maybe add something this week and, and not have to take something out, the very first thing we did was we added a song. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it, it always felt like we, we just hadn't sung enough. So given opportunity, we automatically added a song because that helps make our worship service pleasing to God. It helps make it all that it should be. So the most obvious thing is, is that we, we worship through singing and we use music to enhance our singing. Number two, we are to sing our worship using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music in our hearts to the Lord. Where do I get that from? Is that something I made up? No, I'm not that smart. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, Be filled with the Spirit, which means let the Spirit be in charge. Go where the Spirit takes you. In doing that, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ, or, or God's Word, uh, dwell among you richly. Make it a part of your everyday life. As you teach and admonish one another, okay, the speaking to one another from the other verse, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So when I read those two passages, it tells me that this is the type of music I should sing. 
And then the hard part comes in identifying what those types of music are. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. This word means this. This word means that. The next person, they switch them. And they all kind of wind up in the same place, but give different definitions. So I'm giving you the consensus here. This is how we're going to define them today. So the word psalm obviously refers to the psalms. The middle of your Bible, that was the Jewish song book, if you will. Uh, those psalms all were rhythmic, and, and most of them were accompanied by music, and they literally sang them. So the, the book of psalms to them would be like our hymnal, okay, if we had those in the pews today. So the psalms, for definition, are traditional songs having stood the test of time. That's how we're going to translate that into our reference, our culture. Traditional songs having stood the test of time. There's hymns and there's praise songs and there's worship songs that are 20, 30, 50, 100, 150, 300 years old. That just by the, the introduction of the melody, you know what it is. Because they are such powerful, meaningful songs that we have sung them for decades. And, and we've sung them over and over again. And, and you know them by heart. You don't have to read the words. There are songs that have stood the test of time, the message about God and the message to God that they communicate. They give me words and they give me emotions and they give me context to praise and worship God. And so we're going to call those psalms. They would have found them in, in the book of Psalms. We might find them in all kinds of places. But traditional songs having stood the test of time. And then hymns, hymns can't be psalms. So that's, that's why we have to bring this forward into our own, our own references. So hymns are new songs destined to stand the test of time. New songs. So we have traditional songs and we have new songs. And these new songs we're to sing are songs that communicate truth about God. Are they saying things about God in the right way about God? Are they reverent? Are they praiseworthy? Are they lifting Him up? Are they helping me say things I should be saying about God? Are they helping me ascribe to God the glory to His name? And so these new songs, when they have been around 10, 20, 30, 40 years, if they're still around, we call them hymns. Because they're going to stand the test of time. All right? And then we have spiritual songs. And these would be songs that declare faith, declare hope, declare attitude. This is when I'm sharing about how I feel about God. Uh, what I want to say about God. I want to say you are holy. I want to say you are praiseworthy. I want to say that, that I owe my life to you. I want to say you're my Savior and I love you because of that. I, I want to say these things. So these are declarations of my faith. And I think we would probably call them praise songs. And, and some of these words may not mean a lot to you, but if you've been around a while, these words come up. Traditional music, contemporary or new, and then praise songs. These are all categories that we have in the church. And then it says, from the heart. And this is expressions of love, thankfulness, and emotion. So I'm going to sing from the heart. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say these things, and I'm going to mean them. I'm not just saying them because someone else said them. I'm saying them because these are the words I want to express. And I want you to notice the audience. The audience is both to God and to one another. Notice in, in Ephesians 5.18... It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and psalms of the Spirit. 
So when you're worshiping God, you're, you're actually multitasking. You should be declaring your faith and your belief and your dependence on God to the people sitting around you. That's why we sing out loud. If it only mattered what God heard, we could just sing silently, which would be weird, but we could do it, right? We are, we are literally teaching one another, admonishing one another. We're lifting each other up, encouraging one another, even instructing one another in, in, in our, our music. This is what I declare. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. So we're doing it to one another, and at the end of Colossians, it says singing to God with gratitude. So at the same time I'm singing, and I'm, I'm making these statements for everyone else to hear as, as my testimony, I'm also saying it to God. I'm telling God the same thing, so I'm doing two things at once. So I'm expressing to God and to one another. So in, in the older songs and the newer songs and the praise songs, I am to express my emotions to God. I'm to declare what I know about Him and what I believe about Him. I'm not only to, to declare it to God, but I'm to declare it to each other. And this usually includes volume. I, I talk a little bit louder when I'm up here than I do anywhere else, even though I have a microphone, because I'm a little bit excited about what I'm saying. And, and, I, and I really want you to get the idea that I believe this, and it's important for you to believe it. And, and so when we sing, we're going to sing a little bit louder on Sunday morning than we might in our car. And I know you're thinking, oh, I sing louder in the car because no one will hear me. But maybe you need to sing that loud in church because you want everyone to hear you. And this isn't American Idol. It's not, uh, you know, church grandstand or whatever. It's, we're singing to God. And what does he say? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if you can't hear a joyful noise and be excited for someone praising God, then your attitude needs to change. We are to sing to God. We are to worship God. And we do it in a variety of ways. Now back in the, I was trying to think how old this, this argument has been, and, and I'm thankful we seem to be past it, but literally in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, in, in, in the 20 to 30 year range there, we had what we used to call the worship wars. Anybody heard that term, the worship wars? We argued among ourselves, sometimes loudly, about what kind of music we were going to sing. We should only sing the hymns. They're tried and true. They've been around for a hundred years. If Moses can sing hymns, we can sing hymns. They're written in the King James for a reason. That's all we should ever sing. No, we should only sing the new songs. We're new people. The old songs are old. We don't understand them. We can't sing those songs. They're boring. And we argued. And then we had this group called Praise Songs. We didn't seem to fit in anywhere. They were kind of the in-between stuff we could sort of agree on. And we argued about this. And, and how did we solve the problem? We're going to have two services. In one service, we're going to sing all the old songs. In the other service, we're going to sing all the new songs. And hopefully, you'll, you know, like me, all the morning people will show up in the first service because uh, we just would guess who would show up where. We'd create these atmospheres, and we'd create two churches. And when we wanted to get together for a special occasion, we'd have to do half old songs and half new songs. And the new worship team and the old worship team. And we went through all this. And I was looking at this this morning, and I'm going, how stupid were we? Right there, in plain English, written in the scriptures. Why didn't someone just say, hey, you know what? We need to sing the psalms, and the hymns, and the spiritual songs, 
Our attitude is what makes the difference, and we need to sing them to God and each other. That whole thing would have been lost. And you know what's really sad? Well, what's really sad is I was right in the middle of that. I had strong opinions, and I wasn't afraid to share them. That was sad. What was really sad is how much time we wasted not being the church because we were arguing about what the church should be. Wasted time, energy, resources, talents, gifts. Wasted them when it was right here in Scripture. And that's why we don't, we don't play one kind or another kind. Sometimes we even pull out country and western, southern gospel. Well, we we, we kind of throw it all out there. And, and Sue picks the music based on the message that's, that, that's going to come out today. And, and, and so that we can praise and honor and worship God. So we, we, we worship God in church, and a lot of it is singing. We use music to enhance our singing. And, and we need to be doing the old, the new, the praise. We need to be expressing to God. Number three, the current hymnal, if you're old, or playlist, if you're younger, is never enough. And you should underline and circle the word never. Because I literally mean never. The, the Psalms, oh, listen to this. This could go really badly. The Psalms that we have in the book of Psalms were not enough. Can I say that? They weren't enough. The hymnal that, that we had years and years ago, that really thick book, it had all the songs in it, not enough. The playlist we have on the computer now, not enough. And it won't be enough in two years, and it won't be enough in five years, and it won't be enough in ten years. It will never be enough. Psalm 33.3 says, Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. Well, we are to, we are to come up with new songs. We're to come up with new things. So that, that, that there's freshness in our thoughts and freshness in our, in our words. God likes new things being brought to him. Isaiah 42.10 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. Revelation 5, 9. And they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. There's more scripture on your page there. But I want you to see that from, from really olden times to the end of time, we're called to sing new songs. At the throne room of God, during the time of the revelation, the tribulation, they sing a new song. A new song is being presented at the throne of God in Revelation 5.9. So there was never a time when we had all the songs. We do not have all the songs, and we never will have all the songs. We are to sing new songs. And, and so I don't know how you feel about a new song. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I barely know the old ones. But we should be going, oh, wow, a new song. What's this going to say? What do these words mean? How can I sing this? I, I need to get this down so I can sing it in church. I need to teach it to my kids. We're to sing a new song. So the current hymn, though, or the current playlist is never enough. Number four, what I say while I sing matters. What I say while I sing matters. Uh, the first, the next blank in your notes under number four, my words must praise God. We're not going to look up those two passages because that's, that's pretty obvious. I want to keep moving here. The second one, my words must declare that God is God, and that Jesus is our King. 
Hebrews 2.12, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. What would that happen? What would I declare God's name to my brothers and sisters in church? In the assembly, I will sing your praises. So I'm declaring. I need to be, I need to be aware of what I'm saying because I'm declaring things about God. And, and I need to be saying true things about God. God is God. And when I say God is God, you know, there's all kinds of little g-gods. I'm saying that our God is the big g-god. He is capital G, capital O, capital D. He is, he is the triune God, the God of creation. We're going to declare these things. And Jesus is our king. He's also our Lord and our Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. He's the Messiah. We're going to say all these things, but he's king. So we're going to declare things. What I say matters. John 4.24, make that correction in your notes. It's not 14. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So when it says in the spirit, that means that I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead the way. What I want to focus on is the truth. So the blank there, my words must speak truth, and I must believe it. I need to be saying correct things. Now, I use the word must in all four of these, and it's not that every song must do all these things, but it's more like if any song does the opposite, then it's not worship. If we sang a song that said, oh, my God is sort of a good guy, and most of the time he does great things, and I'm going to follow him, I think it's not a worship song. My, my God is sovereign, and he's all-powerful, and whatever he says, and whatever he asks, I'll follow. He's my Lord and Savior. That's a worship song. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak in truth. I'm going to declare who he is. The next one, my words must express reverence and awe, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. I need to I need to sing and, and I need to come to God and I need to have an attitude of wow this is God I'm literally standing before God I'm singing to Him and I'm singing about Him. You ever had that realization when you're standing with a friend talking about a third friend and they walk in the room and all of a sudden you have to check yourself to make sure you're not saying something you shouldn't say? That's the attitude you should have. You should have the attitude like God is literally standing next to me listening to me sing. And I better not be singing something that he's not going to approve of. So that's the approach I'm going to take. Reverence and awe. I'm in awe that he cares about me. So what I say while I sing matters. Number five, body language and nonverbal communication matter. Okay, these things also matter. Uh, Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. So, so we have bowing down. The second one is, is kneeling down. It's again in Ephesians 3. Uh, Paul spends 13 verses explaining who he is in relation to Christ. That he's, he's a humble servant. He's not anything great. And he says, for this reason, because I'm a humble servant and because I'm nothing great, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So we, we bow before the Lord, we kneel before the Lord. The third one, we, we lift our hands, or they lifted their hands. Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live. In your name I will lift my hands. 
And the last one, they clap their hands. Psalm 47, 1 and 2. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to the Lord with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome. There is a great king over all the earth. And I want to slow down here. I want to kind of look at these again. There are times where you worship that you feel like you need to do a little something more to communicate to God now, not to someone else. This, is, this part is never done with someone else in mind. This is done with God in mind. And you say, you know what, God, right now I'm singing these words. They're really hitting my heart. I, I'm really thinking about what I'm singing, and I, I just want to respond a little bit more. So you might bow or kneel, lift your hands, or clap your hands. And, and what's that going to look like in church? It, it might just look like you just, just kind of just bow your head and sing. Lord, I'm bowing before you. I'm going to keep singing, and I'm, I'm just bowing because I'm really feeling this right now. You, you, might, you might just sit down in your seat and bow in your seat in, in a kind of a kneeling position. You know, we, we don't really have room to get all the way on your knees, but if you really felt like you needed to, then I suppose there's an aisle on every side, and you could do that. But again, it's not for anyone else. It's for you. Sometimes you just need to raise your hands while you sing. Put your hands out, palm up. Say, God, this is to you. This is for you. Or, God, you're victorious. You're, you're, you're the victory. Okay? Sometimes you need to clap. Now, we have an understanding among us. Pastor Dave does not clap. Because I cannot. I can sing. Or I can clap. Both require someone to lead me. Okay? There's nobody clapping on the video, so I can't clap. I can't do both. And then, I get so embarrassed about my clapping, I'm not really worshiping anymore because I'm not thinking about it. So the rule for me is no clapping. You want to clap, go for it. Uh, truth is, when we've tried it, we're all not very good at it. <laughs> but that's okay. Go for it. Maybe you start quietly. You know, don't, don't just belt that clap out and, and then all of a sudden realize, whoa, I'm in the wrong place. I had a, well, I won't go there. <laughs> I also don't lift my hands very much because I get very self-conscious when I do that. And I don't necessarily know why, but as soon as I, I raise my hands while I'm singing, I start thinking about who's behind me. And when I'm thinking about who's behind me, then I've lost focus. And so I don't... I don't raise my hands. That is not to say that you can't. And it's not to say that you're going to do that. And it's not to say you can't overcome that. I could overcome that. but And, and there's times I will. But most of the time, I just keep my hands to my side. A lot of times they're in my pockets. Maybe they're folded. Because I have to concentrate on the singing part. My mental capacity in the artistic realm of life is very limited. And I want to sing to God well. I want to sing joyfully. And so I have to remove the distractions. And, and, and I'm not going to do things I can't do. But, but when I am looking at the words, I can sing them. When they show up just a hair ahead of time, I can be ready for them. And I can sing and I can worship God. And that's my element. That's where I'm at. So I want to tell you that you don't have to bow down. You don't need to have a checklist. Oh, I'm going to have to bow during the second song because I ran out of time during the first song. You don't need to do that. You don't need to kneel. You don't have to lift your hands. And you don't have to clap. 
but you are allowed to. You're allowed to because God has called us to do these things. You may do these things when you worship at home in the privacy of your own home, or you may do these things other times. But, you know, you don't even have to lift your hands all the way over your head. You can just, you know, God, I'm just right here. I just feel like I want to express something to you, so I'm opening my hands up to you. This is a, a vulnerable position, and I'm going to do this. So I want you to feel free to do these things. I don't want you to feel obligated to do these things. But our nonverbal communication matters. So this is not good either. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Done. No, it doesn't work. That's, that's the opposite of praiseworthy body language. That's the opposite. Our face expresses things. Our body language expresses things. So take note of your body language and use it to express to God what you want to. Body language and nonverbal communication matter. Number six, when you're not singing, you may need to speak. So there are times in the service where nobody's singing. There are times when we're doing other things that you may need to speak. Here's something that can be fun. Psalm 106, 48 says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, there you go. It's okay to say, Amen. Sometimes when we pray, uh, a little trick to make sure you're involved in the prayer is to listen. And when they say something that, that you also want to say, you can say, yes, Lord. Someone says, oh, you know, help so-and-so get over this. Yes, Lord. Help them, to, help them to, to, to feel your presence. Yes, Lord. Sometimes when someone shares a testimony and, and they say, you know, I just, I just feel like God really spoke to me and encouraged me and I wouldn't have got through this without the Lord. You can say, amen. The, the, the pastor says something and, and it's a solid point and you're like, man, that was good. You can say, amen. Uh, someone's praying. And, and they pray a prayer. You can say amen. There are appropriate times to say amen. Forrest has already thought of four inappropriate times to say amen. <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> there, there, there are appropriate times. Just like there's appropriate time for humor and there's not appropriate time for humor. Sometimes we need to say amen because we're, we're engaged. Uh, the next one, uh, they ascribed... Or gave testimony. Now, the last two weeks, we took a very broad approach at the word ascribe. Now, we're going to really narrow the definition. Psalm 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And the, the narrow definition of ascribe is to speak. So this is to give testimony. We need to give testimony. That's why we have a testimony service once a year. That's why in Sunday school, we start with, who has, who has something to share that, that gives God glory, an answer to prayer or a praise? How, how are we going to speak to God and about God? How are we going to give our testimony? When, when we have people come up and we, and we talk about a conference we went to or a camp or something like that, we have them come up. There's a couple of reasons. One is to let all of you know who didn't go that you missed something and, and maybe you want to sign up next year. The other is to say, this was good for me. I learned something about God, and, and we're glorifying God in that process. So we're going to say amen. We're going to give our testimony. And 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I urge you then, first of all, the petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We're going to pray together. 
They were told to pray for one another. That's the reason we have corporate prayer time. I wish I had a better word for it that was more catchy. But when I say, hey, everybody, here's our topic for today. This is what we're going to pray about. And we bow our heads and we pray together. We do that because it glorifies God. And we do that because I believe that corporate prayer has added value to God. We're coming together. We're, we're praying in one voice. It's a light that shines a little bit brighter. And I think God is pleased with that. So we pray together. You know, it's, it's not on here, but the, the, everything we do, there's other things we do that are done so that God is glorified. We're simply creating an opportunity to obey God in the service. I could, I could say, hey, everybody pray for this when you get home today. And six or seven of you would. And, and I could say, well, I t- you know, we told we got the whole church praying. But isn't it different to literally have the whole church praying? And then, and then I lead you in, in the end of that prayer? Because then we're all praying the exact same words together. And that's when you should be saying, yes, Lord, and amen. And a lot of times at the end, I do hear amen, which is just signifying I agree with what was prayed. Sometimes when we're not singing, we need to speak. And then number seven, when you're not singing or speaking, you may need to act. 1 Corinthians 16.20 says, All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, that's a scary verse to put on the screen. (laughs) Greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, here's the deal. Back in the day, back in the land, people kissing each other was no big deal, and it didn't mean a whole lot. You know what they didn't do? They didn't shake hands. They didn't high-five. They didn't fist bump. They kissed each other on the cheek, I hope. (laughs) Not going to research that. So when it says greet one another with a holy kiss, the important thing is to greet one another. You are actually honoring God when you approach another believer in church and you shake their hand or give them a hug and you say, I'm glad you're here today. How are you today? Take it a step farther. Is there anything I can pray about for you? And if they say, well, actually there is, and it's kind of a big deal, then you can say, can I pray right now? And when you say, I will pray about this later, then you actually, you pray about it later. Maybe you need to text yourself or write a note, and you pray about it later. But that greeting is another way to honor God. 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Let's all be encouraging one another. Let's all get along together. Let's lift each other up. Let's forbear. When did we lose the word forbear? You know what forbear means? I'm going to put up with the things about you I don't like. You know, I shared a room with my brother. I was not forbearing all that often. But you know what? When we got along, we both forbeared. We were two different people living in the same room. We are 50, 60, 70 different people meeting together for an hour. Some like to sing loud. Some like to sing soft. Some like to move around. Some like to go to the bathroom six times. Some like to have their coffee. Some like to have their water. Some like to, to, to talk past when Dennis says it's time to come back. Some don't get started until there's only a minute left. We're all different people. And we're all going to do different things. And we all just need to love each other. And we need to be encouraged. That was a, thank you. That was well placed. Good job. 
So greeting one another and getting along together and, and being that kind of a family is important. Um, the next one, bring your tithes and offerings. Malachi 3.8, conversation that God's having with the people where they're not really doing much talking. God says, here's what I say, here's what you say. Here's what I say, here's what you say. And he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you do rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? Or how are we robbing you? And the answer is in tithes and offerings. So God's talking to the people, and they're going, hey, we're pretty good people. And he's going, actually, you're not. Because you're actually robbing me. Oh, no, we're not robbing you. How are we robbing you? Well, you're not giving your tithes and offerings. And so sometimes when we're not singing and we're not speaking, we're doing other things. One of the things we do is we collect an offering. You know, it would be great if we sent you all an invoice and you paid it. And, and, I, and I and the deacons determine how much you're getting out of church, and we build you for that amount. And it would be based on what I think you're getting out of it, not what you're getting out of it. And, and you, would, you would fill out your check, put it in the envelope with your invoice, you mail it in, we mark it down, and if you fall behind a little bit, we send a deacon to see you. And, and if you fall a little bit more behind, we send some of our bigger deacons to see you. I mean, that would be simple, it would be awkward on occasion, but it would be easy. But that's not what the offering's all about. The offering is about me saying to God, you've only given me so much money in my life, and, and, and in order to show that I trust you to provide for me, I'm going to give back what you've asked for. So God says, I'm going to give you uh, $10,000 this month. That would be nice. <laughs> I'm going to give you $10,000. I had to pick an easy number because I'm not very good at math. God says, I'm going to give you $10,000, and I want you to give me 1000 back. And you go, okay, that's a great idea. I'll see how that works out. No, that's not being faithful. That's not worshiping. Worshiping is saying, God says, I'm going to give you $10,000. I want you to give me $1,000 back. And you go, okay, I'll give it first. That's going to be the first check I write. I'm going to mail it before I do the rest of my budget so I can't take it back. Because I'm literally, literally going to say to you, even if it doesn't look like there's enough, I'm going to give you what you asked for first. And then I'm going to wait and see how you work it out in the end. And if you don't give me enough, I'm going to realize there's a reason why, and I'm going to work through that. If you do give me enough, I'm going to praise you because I didn't see it coming, and you did it anyway. And so even the offering is an opportunity to worship. It's not an opportunity to wave your check in the air and shake your bag of gold and, and go... Hey, sweetie, do you have the check? Okay. No, it's, it's, it's to be done very quietly. It's, it's to be done without really anyone noticing. You should, that thing should come by, you should slip it in, and people go, oh, did he touch it? It's, it's, it's not a show. It's, it's before God. It's worship. It's worshiping. And it doesn't matter how you give. It can be in church, it can be online, it can be all the things. I don't want you to think that if you give online, you're not doing it right. That's okay. I cheat the system, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I fill out my computer, and I write Heritage Bible Church, and I put the amount in, and I click send, and they mail me the check. And then I drop it in. Why do I do that? Because I have given the bank so much over the years. I want to get a little bit back. They pay for an envelope, a check, and a stamp. They send it to me, and then I put it in. I put it in before church ever starts, because I will forget and that's not good either. So you got to know yourself. But it's just the giving that matters. That's part of worship. We are worshiping by giving. And then the last one there, serving one another humbly in love. 
but that's an action. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. We, we are called to do so many things for others. I'm going to serve others. That's going to be my attitude. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, God's grace in its various forms. I'm going to use what God has given me. I'm going to use my time, my energy, my talents, my gifts, my resources to serve God by serving others. I'm going to reach out to them. Now, I know you're excited because you got to the end of your nose, but watch this. I have more. So don't, don't put all your stuff away yet. I want to do some application. I want you to catch this. Number one, I want you to realize that just about everything we do in the worship service is worship. We actually think about what we're doing. The greeting time is worship. The offering time is worship. The prayer time is worship. The singing time is worship. And the teaching time is worship. We're not going to throw things into the worship service that aren't worship. Those can be done elsewhere. They can be done at other times. We do want to eat. We want to have fun. We want to play. But that's not for worship service. Worship service is giving our full attention to God, glorifying Him in everything we do and everything we say. A lot of that has to do with singing. It's, it's singing, praying, giving, greeting, encouraging, preaching, and listening. Just, just listening for the last however long I've been talking is worship. Because you're literally saying to God, that guy seems to be telling me what you want to be shared from the Bible, your book. And since he's talking about what comes from your Bible, the book, I will listen because it's from you. You should never listen to what I say because I say it. That would be faulty reasoning. You listen to what I say because it matches what Scripture says. And God is the one that gave us the Scripture. So simply by listening is worship. So everything we do in the worship service is worship. Number two, participate in each element. This is the application. This is what you're supposed to leave with. Participate in each element as if you know and embrace what is actually happening. So, so now you do. Now you know that. You know what? Greeting time is more than an awkward moment in time where I'm supposed to go shake someone's hand. It's actually me obeying God and doing what he's asked me to do. And when I go do that, I'm, I'm glorifying him. It's part of worship. I'm encouraging others. That's glorifying him. That's obedience. That's part of worship. So, so you know, I always joke that the introverts kind of stay where they are for the extroverts to swing by. Well, that's okay. Just make sure you're ready when they come by. Oh, here comes an extrovert. <laughs> no, put your hand out to shake it when they come by. They can, they can grab it. They're on their way somewhere, but they'll shake your hand and say hi. Everything. Participate in all of it. And then number three, make the worship service about God first. Then those around you. And lastly, about yourself. That's the key to everything. Remember that old song, Jesus and Others in You? What a wonderful way to spell joy. Well, if you went to VBS in Cottonwood in the early 70s, you, you know that song. That's the key. It's about God first, it's about others second, and it's about me third. And I might not ever get to third. I might never get to me. And that's okay. The title of our sermon is, I Believe I Should Always Respond to God with Worship. Help me worship you better at church. And that's how we're going to start our prayer. We're going to pray that together, and then I'm going to close. So join me in the beginning of our prayer. 
I believe I should always respond to God with worship. Help me worship you better at church. Father God, we do want to worship you. It is the correct response. In, in, in response to everything you've done, every promise you've made, every sacrifice you've given, every direction, every help, every time you've provided, every time you've listened to us, every time you've led us, it is the proper response to worship you. And we want to do it well. We want to do it really well. So, Father, help us to just always be thinking about, is this glorifying God? Is the way I'm doing it glorifying God? And let us figure out how to make that happen. We need to know who we are, what our strengths and weaknesses are, and you know all these things as well. And then with that in mind, and with your commands in mind, and with, with who you are in mind, let us glorify you every time we gather together. May we lift your name up on high. And I pray that we've done that today. And that will continue week after week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.